Well, God has a word for us today, and I'm excited. I actually told myself that uh, I'm going to preach to myself today, so if you guys want to join in and hear what the Lord has to say to, uh, to me, <laughs> you guys want to listen along. I'm excited because I feel like the Lord is speaking to us, and um, His Word is always speaking, no matter what, right? The Word is life. Jesus is the Word made flesh. So whenever I read His Word or He brings a Word, it's always life. But I've said it before, I'll say it again today, that I love when the Word is um, for such a time as this, when it's fresh and alive, uh, and so I just firstly just want to honor all the mothers here today. Say happy Mother's Day. God is our father, but he gave us earthly mothers, didn't he? And uh, a mother uh, has a unique type of love. A father cannot be a mother. A mother has been given, I believe, a different type of love. She is tender and she cares for her children in only the way a mother can. God has given some attributes of himself only to mothers. She has been given a special job to care and to nurse her children. Mothers continue this job forever. Maybe as the children grow older, it's more in prayers and support, but they are always mom. Mothers often are not appreciated until we're older. Uh, but their job uh, that was done while we were young, uh, we just want to say thank you. And that job is relentless and never done. There's always a need, and she is always ready to care. God has given you a great responsibility to care for his children, and we honor you today. We thank you for your love and your support, your sleepless nights your band-aids, your hugs. God bless you, and happy Mother's Day. I'm excited today because I believe that the Lord is uh, speaking to us about looking uh, at even what is going on in the world today, what is going on in your life from his perspective. We need to look at life from his perspective. Everybody say, from his perspective. God is not like us. His ways are not like ours. And we always picture God above, right? Because the Bible says he's above. But God is, it's more than just above. It's not like, you know, a, a planet that sits above the earth, right? But we think of him as up. And but if you were just to kind of take that physical, uh, natural illustration that he's up, right? He's above. When he looks down at us, everything's going to look different than it looks like to us, doesn't it? Aaron and I, uh, we are in the woods quite often, and we were up on a ridge recently, and we noticed how different the forest looked from a higher perspective, and how that if you were up above, you could see everything all at once. I mean, you think you're sneaking through the woods down below, but meanwhile, up high, you could see literally everything for hundreds and hundreds of yards in every direction. And so God is seeing everything from above. He is seeing everything all at once. We are looking, just like the phrase says, trying to look through the forest for the trees, right? We can't even uh, see what's happening, but we need to realize that God is good, right? 
and he is always good, that God's plan has not changed, it is not moved by Satan, it's already been written down what's going to happen, we're just living it out moment by moment, but he already knows the end from the beginning, and God wins, doesn't he? And one day, the enemy, and even death itself, uh, is even hell is actually thrown into the lake of fire. Some, we always just call it hell, and that's fine to call it generically, but you know, even hell itself is thrown into the lake of fire. All of it, every single thing that is, uh, is against God and fighting against God, all of it goes into the lake of fire, a new heaven and a new earth. It's already been done. It's already finished. And I want us to look like that, uh, and I've been preaching on faith, and, but specifically, uh, I had titled the last two sermons in a row, uh, part one and two, that faith is true sight. So this will be a third part to that, that faith is, I want you to say that out loud, faith is true sight. What your eyes see and what your ears hear and what your mind perceives, oh, you guys hear a verse in your spirit, don't you? All those things that your perceptions that you are creating, whether it's physical or something mental, we all have pictures and images all the time, right? We are in a world that is bombarded by images and pictures. Some of them are real and some of them are not. Some, the world is trying to tell you that this is reality and it's not. Right? Today we're talking about virtual reality, where you can just be and do anything you want. And uh, the reality is that there is only one true reality, and it's God's reality. And that every other reality is, is, is we just need to call it what it is, is a lie and is false. That no matter how normal it looks or how approachable to a concept, you know, we are desensitized. Everybody know that word, desensitized? That means that you're not used to something. For instance, who is shocked by the prices of buying a car today? Anybody here shocked? <laughs> okay, so your mind says a car should cost $20,000. That's a number. So you have fixed this number in your brain, and your brain has already decided that's what a car should cost. When you see $30,000, your mind starts short-fusing and saying, wow, that's expensive, right? I can't believe it's gone up 30%. Now, just give it some time of seeing $30,000. Come on, we can do the same thing with the gas. My diesel is, I saw a good price today for $6.39 a gallon. Yeah, that was a good price. That's the cheapest price in town. But your mind sees $30,000 week after week, week after week. It's like been a year at that price. Now you're like, well, I guess that's what it is. Now it's $40,000. Now, if you went back and told your old self that what you could buy for $20,000, which was a lot, you saved up, and that's like, man, that's a lot of money, $20,000, that's what a car costs, but that is what it is. But now you go back and you tell your old self it's $40,000, you'd be like, oh my, I can't even fathom, it doesn't even make sense, right? We're, I'm talking low numbers. Now it's 60, now it's 80, to get a nice SUV to fit your whole family's 100. But the point is we are desensitized, right? We're like, oh, that's insane, 100, 50,000 is a great deal. You get what I'm saying? So 
The world is constantly doing that to you. You don't even know it that the enemy is constantly desensitizing you. For instance, just watch television, right? Some of the older ones when you guys were kids, right? And it was this happy little black and white show. <laughs> and it was a little edgy when, like, you got to see the girl's ankles. You know, like, I don't know. I don't know if this is appropriate. She's showing her ankles, right? They always showed two beds in the, in the bedrooms, right? There's always two bedrooms, beds in the master bedroom, because God forbid we actually show one bed in there. And now today, I mean, you turn on television, and then it's literally would have been pornography, you know, like the worst type on normal television, just on cable. I'm not talking, you know, getting into special channels or something here. I'm just talking turning on TV. So what we need to realize is, is that uh, your perception, your perspective of the world is going to be constantly shifting and changing, and we need to fix our sight on Christ and fix our sight on the Word. It's going to get worse and worse, but our Word is not changed and God is not changed. Amen. For it says, 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we live by believing, or we walk by faith, and not by seeing, not by sight, right? It is our faith in Christ, it's our faith in his word, it's our faith that he never changes, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, it's our faith that he said he would come once, and he did, and he died for us, and it's our faith that says he will come again and bring us into eternity with him. And that faith is what makes us see clearly, that even though everything else is shaking and changing, because of my faith in who he is and what he says he'll do and what he has done already and he's going to do it again, that faith gives me a clear vision. But if I just look at the world and look at what's happening, I might become disheartened. I might be filled with frustration. I might even just turn away and say, what's the use? I might even rebel against God completely and even mock him and point my finger at him. Am I painting a picture here? And this is what exactly what happens. God can't be real. Jesus is just one of many gods, etc., right? And that's, that's old now. <laughs> we used to talk about many gods, right? That's old now. Now it's just I'm God. Forget that there are many gods, the pantheons, right, all that. That's all old now. Now forget that. Uh, AI is God. Some of you don't even know what I'm talking about. That'll become common language soon. That's artificial intelligence. Soon they're going to say when the computer is smarter than man that that's God. They already have plans to worship it. Call me crazy today. And the reality is that Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, we just read this as, the, as a church this week, um, no eye has seen, and no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Now, a lot of people quote that scripture, and they stop right there. Who's ever heard that preached just like that? And it's period right there, right? And stopped. But actually, the scriptures don't stop there. Everybody know that there's a verse 10 after that? Anybody realize that 9... Everybody says, no I and no mind, and we're like, we can't even understand. But you know what it says? You know what verse 10 says? But it was to us. Everybody say, it was 
to us in this room that God revealed these things by his spirit. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But to us, God has revealed these things by his spirit. As believers, there is part of God that will never make sense because your human mind cannot compute. It just can't fathom. It just can't understand it all. There is a part of God, many parts of God for that matter, <laughs> that we are going to be excited to see one day and it will all make sense. Your mind, like we've been talking about for weeks, cannot compute eternity. It just doesn't work. Your mind goes into years. Your mind pictures a billion years, a trillion years, 10 trillion years, 100 trillion years, quadrillion years, whatever. But your mind has to work in years. That's eternity, right? Is everybody... Can you just think of no time, no beginning, no end, just no time? doesn't make sense. So some parts of God will be revealed then, but there, are, there is a part of God that is revelation, that is a seeing that the world has not seen, that they don't understand, but that by the Holy Spirit within us is available to us, that we can look and say, you know what, it looks hopeless, it looks like everything is changing and going into the garbage bin, to put it nicely. But I see with different eyes, because I have the Holy Spirit who's given me eyes to see, and I see a future that God is still God. Amen. It says, For His Spirit searches out everything and shows us, you may know it, the deep things of God, God's deep secrets. But people, verse 14, who aren't spiritual cannot receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it, for only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. We are spirit. Who knows that in this room, that we are spirit? Our spirit was with God, right? And when this body is gone, our spirit will be with God. Do you understand that? Right? Our spirit was with him, and it will be with him. Here on the earth, we have the Holy Spirit, who's united with our human spirit, and he's helping us to live like him and please God. Uh, our animal-like human nature is what is called the flesh, the flesh is led by impulse, by feelings, by sight, natural sight, and the images we create in our minds. The flesh and the spirit are at war within us, fighting for position. They are fighting for who is going to act or react. And when we listen to the Holy Spirit, we have the right action or reaction, no matter what it looks or seems or feels like. Do you hear me? When we listen to the Holy Spirit who is trying to lead our spirit, no matter what it looks like, seems like, or feels like, we have made the right choice. In order to truly do this, we must turn off the imagery that the flesh sees and begin to see things through the eyes of the Spirit. And this is physical. This is what I've been trying to paint a picture of. Some things you're going to see with your natural eyes. 
I think we're going to even see shocking things that I'm not even going to talk about from this pulpit. Because, you know, the Bible says that one day there's going to come such a great delusion. The Bible says that even the elect would be deceived. You know who the elect are? That's not you better than the rest of the world, but the elect are those who are closest to Christ. It's those who have been called into his kingdom, those who have had a revelation, those who have seen him, who understand his word. The Bible says that's the elect. If you do your own study, it's very clear. The elect is not a super position of Christian. It's not a special Christian and then a regular Christian. Right? The elect are the believers who know God, and the Bible says that there would be a delusion so great that maybe they see things with their eyes or even see it in their mind. They have such a, a, a deception that they would be pulled away. So we need to see things through the spirits and looking with faith within instead of looking with human intellect and perception. Faith is true sight, and faith is the accurate image. I want to say that again. Faith is the only accurate image, which means it doesn't matter how many times they tell you, this is God. This is love. This is a relationship, right? Because it's you are the weirdo. You are the crazy if you argue with their, with the world's perceptions. If you will not accept their picture of God, relationships, of love, of society, you are crazy. Who's already experienced that? That you feel like you even even make you feel like you even wonder, am I crazy? Am I off? It's so strong against you, against the flow, right, that you can even feel like that. And the reality is that God and his word and our faith in it is the accurate image and the only image. The world's image of Jesus is everything from a prophet to a fraud. He's one of many gods and all about love defined by society. The real image of Jesus is found in his word, and, all, uh, and, and his word is, is truth, that anything else, any other image, any other description, you know, like this Jesus, that Jesus, I just, I love Jesus, he's all about love. I don't like all the things he said about sin, but I love the love of Jesus. You can't have one without the other. Faith in God is faith in God's word, and faith in his word gives me true sight. I'll say that again. Faith, I'm just, this is all, hopefully you guys are getting some things here. I'm just kind of speaking fast because I'm getting into something, but I'm just reading here because I wanted to get it right. Faith in God is faith in God's word, and faith in his word gives me true sight. And I'm required, and I underline that in my own notes, I'm required to look through his word to see the true definitions of society I'm required to look through the lens of his word to see the true reality instead of this virtual reality constantly being redefined. We need to see into the unseen. We need to look eternal bound. We need to set our eyes on Christ again, right? As his church, we need to fix our position with our eyes on him I thought it was fun. I kind of did a, I've done a study on this before, and I've, I've actually, what's funny is I brought this into my notes probably a dozen times, and I never talk about it in my sermon. And I knew one day that this clump of some research would end up 
in a sermon. And finally, it like goes on maybe next week, maybe next week, maybe next week. But I'm going to talk about it today. Who is familiar with the electromagnetic spectrum? Just a show of hands. Anybody know the electromagnetic spectrum? TJ's raising his hand. Basically, the electromagnetic spectrum is light. Everybody say it's light. All right? Light is the electromagnetic spectrum. But visible light is less than 1% of all light. Visible light is less than 1%. And to be honest, some scientists say that even saying 1% is not accurate because light can't be measured. There is no beginning and there's no end to the electromagnetic spectrum. Wow, what does that sound like? You know that God has no beginning and no end. And what did he say? God is light. I love when science catches up with the word. Do you get, isn't that amazing? I love when scientists begin to study things and break things down, but the word has said it all along. So when I say it's less than 1%, it's not even really to be measured. It's only 1% on a scale that we've actually created to try to define the electromagnetic spectrum. And within that spectrum, you have everything from the lowest to highest wavelengths. You have the, the radio waves, on one side, microwaves, radar, infrared radiation, visible light is right in the center, and then we have ultraviolet radiation, right? That's your sun rays that you can't see, but you're all aware of. Got a few spots or a little bit of tan, right? That's light hitting you, right? And then we have x-rays, and finally, at the other end of the spectrum, we have gamma rays. Now, only in our century did people realize that by manipulating light, we can actually see into the unseen. Only now, all these thousands of years later, God has told us that there was an invisible realm. God has told us that there was a spiritual realm, that there are things that you are unaware of. There is a world beyond the world that you can see. And only today, with science and technology that we are now able, we had to use our imagination. I mean, the, the guy maybe working in the, in the old morgue would have, you know, dissected a body, or maybe somebody got hurt and they saw a bone. You didn't want to see that, right? Doing some sort of, we were just talking about this recently, some sort of old archaic amputation because someone got hurt. You know, you'd see some internal parts to a body. But for the most part, you just had to, to assume what was inside your body, was in there, right? That there's a heart in there somewhere, right? There's a brain in here. There's bone structure in there. So unless you saw a dead body or a living body that was cut open that shouldn't have been, uh, you just had to use faith that you actually had all this stuff inside. You really didn't know, right? So uh, X-ray is able to see the bone structure inside of a living person, and actually um, uh, what they're seeing is by manipulating light, uh, they are actually tapping into a, a spectrum of light that your human eye can't see. They have to use a machine to do it, but it's, it's real. Everybody think that x-ray is real? Anybody? But if I don't have the machine... 
and a guy is looking at my bones through a machine, and he says, I can see your bone structure, and you go, I don't see it. And he's like, well, I'm looking right at it. And you're going, well, I how, I'm looking right at the same person, but I can't see their bone structure. And through a special device, I can see what you can't see. Just by manipulating light, and I'm able to look into the unseen. Now, similar is infrared. Who's, a, who's familiar with infrared? Infrared is what we might use for, like, night vision. And what infrared does is infrared light is uh, it's actually uh, something that we encounter every single day. Infrared light waves come at us every day. The human eye can't see it, but humans can detect it as heat. All right, so infrared is something every single day. Uh, a remote control, actually, ironically, I wouldn't have thought that it uses infrared, but a remote control for your TV is uh, beyond the visible spectrum of light. It's using infrared light to connect with your TV. And remember when the TV, when they finally had a remote? When you were kids, you had to get up and go change the channel, right? The six channels you had on there. And then remember when it came out with a remote that had a cord? Remember the cord to your remote? I have a remote control, but don't trip over it. <laughs> and then one day, something invisible, something invisible connects with this remote to that TV. It's magic. It really does seem like magic. Imagine you taking somebody just 100 years ago and showing them. I mean, we're not even talking about the craziness that it's, it could be on your phone, right? I can connect with anybody in the world invisibly. I mean, it does really seem like not only, we're, we get so used to it, again, the desensitizing, we're so used to it that we don't realize that we're in like the sci-fi, we're way, way over in the future. You realize like anybody in the world right now, I can, I can have a conversation with them instantaneously. Right now, I don't have to wait for a ship to take my letter and hopefully a storm doesn't happen, and I won't know that that happened either. It's not like I read it in the news. Oh, I didn't get my letter because, you know, they were lost at sea. You know, someone's writing a letter, and it's going to get to you like three to six months from now, from England to the U.S., right? And that's if I'm aware that, that, was, that it was even coming. And how would I even tell them? I'd have to send a letter three to six months ahead of that and say like, hey, in three to six months, I'm going to send a letter. And now I can instantaneously look and we're just so used to it that we just take it for granted. But do you realize that it's like almost like magic? I'm not saying that we believe in magic, right? But you'll understand, like, and when you're a little kid and someone does a trick on you and you go, how'd you do that? And they go, it's magic. Because right? it's something they don't understand. But meanwhile, there is something happening, right? That's what cell phones are using. We're, we're using actually light. Even all your TV, everything's been converted over to light. Fiber optics is light. People don't even realize your highest speed internet is light. And they're literally taking data, taking a picture, sending it through a cable. Have you ever seen, everybody, anybody ever seen a modern cable inside? Modern TV cable? It's strands of fiber. And they send light through it. It's glass. It's glass fiber. They send light through that, and magically, your TV, you can click through, what, six, eight hundred channels? You have the money? Instantaneously? 
And it wasn't too long ago that this was like, I, you couldn't even fathom such a thing. What I'm trying to paint a picture of is, just because we haven't seen God do everything he said he would do doesn't mean that it's not, the technology you realize was always there. It just wasn't tapped into yet. You get that light was, in the beginning, God said, let there be light. And, you know, 6,000 years, if you are a purist to the word, right, and we believe the timeline of the word, whether you want to believe millions, billions, trillions, whatever you want, doesn't really matter. God said in the beginning, it does matter, but for my example, it doesn't matter. Whenever he said beginning, there is light, it was always there. The technology to change the channel, to see x-ray. Infrared is interesting because infrared, what it does is, is, like, uh, is it uses heat. So I can look in the complete darkness of night and I can see an image clear as day because it converts your heat. Your human eye can't see it, but this technology, you are giving off light. You realize that. Your body is giving off infrared light. Just... Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Who remembers the verse? He wasn't just saying it spiritually. Do you know, even scientifically, you are light? Isn't that incredible? It was always the case. We just didn't understand. Everybody say, we didn't understand it yet. Do you realize you do not need to understand God for God to be God? You don't need to understand what he's doing in the process to know that he's doing it. I was like blown away. I love studying things like this, and I'm obviously just scratching the surface and doing a hack job at it, but it was there all along. It just required different vision to see it. It was always there. You just couldn't see it with your human eye. But we have what? The eyes of the Spirit. We have eyes that can see what the world cannot see because I look through new technology, right? I don't need a machine. I have the Holy Spirit. But I've been given a technology that they don't have. They can have it too through Christ. But when I look at a hopeless situation, I'm going to turn on the x-ray machine. I'm going to turn on the infrared machine. And I'm going to look in the darkness a little bit differently than you and I'm going to see that there's still God in that. One of my favorite stories in the Bible, I'm going to go into this for this next few minutes. This has got to be one of my favorite stories, and I've been really excited to preach it. It was in my notes like two months ago, and it's been kind of like coming along, and I knew eventually I would get to it. Um, but 2 Kings chapter 6 I've brought this, I've mentioned this story many times, but I'm actually going to pull open the verses and we're going to preach from it right now. Again, I'm not going to drag you on for, for too long here. I know time is still ticking, but I want you to look with me. It says in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 8, when the king of Aram, or Syria, was at war with Israel, he would confer with his officers and say, we will mobilize our forces at such and such a place. But immediately Elisha, the man of God would warn the king of Israel, do not go near that place, for the Arameans are planning to mobilize their troops there. Verse 11, then the king of Aram became very upset over this. He called his officers together and he demanded, which of you is the traitor 
who has been informing the king of Israel of my plans? They said, it's not us. One of the officers replied, Elisha, the prophet in Israel, tells the king of Israel even the words you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. Verse 13, go and find out where he is, the king commanded, so I can send troops to seize him. And the report came back, Elisha is at Dothan. So one night the king of Aram sent a great, everybody say great, the Bible doesn't leave out words or add words for no reason, right? I understand this is a translation, but they translated into English, great army, because that's what the original words meant. This was an army that was great. Remember when Jesus said to them, why is all this force for one man? Remember that? See, the enemy, he knows. He knows he's no match for you. The only thing he can do is send a great force against you because he knows that you are greater. He knows it's going to take an army to take you down. He knew to take down Jesus, I better send the best of the best. It was like the night, it would be like the Navy SEALs of the forces, right? That's who these guys were, these centurions who went out and took Jesus. And Jesus is like, all this force for me? Because the enemy knew I'm only gonna, it's only going to happen if I send an army, a great army, with many chariots and horses to surround the city. Verse 15, but when the servant of the man of God, so one of Elijah's servants, he got up early the next morning and he went outside and there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. Verse 16, don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see into the unseen. And the Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. And as the Aramean army advanced, verse 18, toward him, Elisha prayed, O Lord, please make them blind. So the Lord struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. Who loves this story? It's like one of my favorite stories in the whole Bible because it is so incredible uh, what's happening here. It's a picture, really, Elijah and Elisha, were only were some of the very few Old Testament characters that really lived spiritual lives. Now, many men lived godly lives. You understand what I'm saying? There were many that lived godly lives, but there were very few in the Old Testament that actually lived spiritual lives. They lived by the leading of the Spirit. Remember, Elijah was led by the Spirit. God led him here and led him there. Abraham was led by the Spirit. Many of them, they followed the law, and they were good men, good women, but there were a few that were led by the Spirit. So this is a picture of not only just an old story that we can say, wow, that was a cool miracle that happened to them, but it's really a picture for us of how God wants us to see today. Do you believe that? Do you believe that this is just an Old Testament story and miracles like this don't happen? Or through the Holy Spirit, is this exactly how it's supposed to work? 
So first, I just want to say Elijah had eyes to see. Elisha's servant, he looked at the army in front of him that he could clearly see. Who believes that Elisha's servant was not exaggerating? And who believes that he could actually see what the Bible says he could see? My Bible says he looked and he saw a great army. I believe the word. There's no reason for the word to lie. He saw it and he said, I can see it with my own eyes. I can clearly see there's an army in front of us. One day you may look and say, there's an army in front of me. You may be trying to encourage me, and that's great, Pastor, but I can clearly see the report from the doctor. This is what it says. I can clearly see the divorce papers from my spouse. I can clearly see that there's no money in my bank account. They would have looked terrifying. He was probably also aware of what happens when an army like this comes and takes an enemy away. It's probably where the fear was coming from. And one who had been giving intel against them. You know, it doesn't go well for somebody who's been giving intel against a, an opposing army, especially back then. He was rightly, everybody say he was rightly filled with fear. He actually had every human right to be filled with fear, worry, and anxiety. He had every natural reason to feel this way. In front of him was something impossible, and its end would not be good for him. Elisha, on the other hand, saw differently. Elisha was looking with spiritual eyes. He saw something his servant didn't. He opened the eyes of the servant to see an angelic army. And I wonder when I was studying this story, did Elisha actually see the army before he prayed? Or did Elisha just know his God would never leave him, never forsake him, never fail him? It, it doesn't matter. The Bible doesn't say one way or the other. The Bible doesn't say that Elisha saw the army and said, Lord, show him what I can see. Or did he just know? There's... A force with us. God is with us. God's not with them. He's with us. Did he just know it? And when he said, Lord, open his eyes, did he need to see it to believe it? We don't know if he believed it. Then he saw it, or he saw it, and he believed. But what we do know is that he had faith in God that was so great that he was not driven by fear. He was not driven by worry. He was not driven by anxiety. It doesn't matter how much, it's a fact. I mean, you realize that this story is not about something that could happen, that might happen. This was factual, right in front of him. This is a definite. This is going to happen. This is going to happen to you. And there's nothing you can do about it in the natural. We have to realize the seriousness of this story. It's not there's an army. I heard word they might come over. You know, it, I heard word this could happen to you one day. It's here. It's now. It's not going away. Nothing is going to stop this. But Elisha saw with spiritual eyes. He said, and I don't know how many angels there were. We don't know. But he said, there are more for us than there are against us. What we need to understand is that in the natural, your situation seems hopeless. Your eyes and your senses, they tell you failure. They tell you collapse. They say, no use believing. It's never going to change. 
They sh you're, you're filled with fear, filled with anxiety. You even say it's never going to get better. There might even be people in office that seem to be destroying everything you know and love, but right in the midst of a hopeless situation, there's always hope. I want to say that again. I don't think you guys got that. There might even be people in office that seem to be destroying everything you know and love. But right in the midst of a hopeless situation, there's always hope. God has not failed us, and he is our ever-present help. Psalm 46, and TJ just sang that song today. It says, verse 1, Psalm 46, verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. You may know it as a very present help. Verse 2, so we will not fear when earthquakes come and mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar, let them foam, let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. Verse 10, be still and know that I am God. Verse 11, for the Lord of heaven's armies is here in this room and in this nation among us. He is the God of Israel and he is our fortress. What he saw, and what we must see even today, is that God has more. The enemy could come, he can taunt, he can say, it's never going to change, you're never going to do this, you're never going to do that, this nation's never coming back, whatever. We need to understand today that God is great. God is great. He is a great God, and when there's a great army, we need a great God. Amen. And we need to know that he is there, and I love what happens. I, I got this picture from the Lord, and I feel like the Holy Spirit gave me a line today. And if you remember only one thing from this sermon today, I want you to hear this from the Holy Spirit. You ready? Take another look. I'm going to say it again. Take another look. The Bible says, Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And the Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, the Bible says that when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. I got this picture. Elisha's in the house. The young man comes out of the house and sees it, right? He opens the letter and sees the bill, right? He hears the report from the doctor, whatever. Or the fight that just seems to never end, right, with that person you're trying to love or whatever, whatever's going on in your life, and you're just hopeless. He turns around. Now his back is to the situation to tell Elisha. Elisha comes out, and now he's talking to him. Elisha looks and can see what he can't see. And so he had looked and saw it. He tells Elisha, and he says, I want you to look again. And when he looked again, the situation had changed. I felt from the Holy Spirit, I didn't try to write one really catchy hook line or clever line today. But this was a line, and I don't say that often, that, I mean, I would assume that the whole message is from the Holy Spirit, otherwise you shouldn't be listening to me. It is his word, and if I'm bringing up that something that's not his word, then again, you shouldn't be listening to me. And sometimes, obviously, personality might come in and those things, and then you just ask the Lord to just make people forget and just remember the word. 
But sometimes the Holy Spirit speaks a very direct, very straight line that I can't add to or take away from. And I felt like from the Holy Spirit today, he said, take another look. Even if you haven't seen right so far, you can look today. And I heard the Spirit say, you can re-look today. You may have been looking at the situation negatively up until this point. It's never too late to look again and see the Lord at work. It doesn't matter how negative you've been up until this point, how upset or fearful, it doesn't really matter. Look again. It says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, this is the New King James, I pray that he would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. He says, verse 18, Ephesians 1, verse 18, New King James, that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. Verse 19, and what is, actually we'll finish there, the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who, what? What's that word? Who have faith in him, who believe. I want you to, I've been praying for you, he said, because, and I'm praying that your eyes would be open. I'm praying that you would put the pictures and the images that you have had so far to the side. I don't care how real it looks. I don't care how impossible it looks. I don't care if, it's, if you're telling me, listen, you don't understand. This is real, and it's not going away. I don't care what you've been thinking. I don't care what, you've been, what you think you know. I want you to look again through the eyes of the Spirit and I want you to see that there is incredible and endless and beyond our, even our understanding hope and that there is exceeding greatness of power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Isn't that amazing? I know I went way over time, guys. I'm sorry. On Mother's Day, and I said I'm going to be short today. <laughs> I want to say this one last thing, though. And this is, this is just amazing. You have to realize, and we can, get, we can get weird with faith. People have taken faith and they envision themselves being people they shouldn't, achieving goals they shouldn't, becoming things that they shouldn't have, right? People take faith. There's always extremes. So I want to be careful when I talk about this type of faith. But that the Lord doesn't want you to see doesn't want you to pray that God is going to do something. That's not how God wants us to pray. He wants you to pray believing that God has already done it. You need to understand that the angels didn't suddenly appear. Their eyes were just suddenly opened. God already is working in your situation. He's already working in this nation. You just haven't seen it yet, but God didn't suddenly show up. We'll get more into this with Daniel, proving that this is biblical. God's doing things. You just, it just hasn't manifested into your reality, but God is not. He's never late. Who believes that God is never late? He is right on time every time, right? That's an old saying in Christianity, but it is the truth. 
And honestly, a lot of things were working and moving and shaping to form the person that you are and the situation you're in, things greater than just the thing you were believing for. Right? You might be believing for this, but God does all of this because of the process to get you to this little thing you were asking him for. Amen. Who's encouraged by the Lord today? The Lord is with us, just like that song. He is with us, and he'll never leave us, never forsake us. We could go on forever about that because I'm excited to say that. But, Lord, we just thank you again for these mothers today, and we just honor them. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you blessed them, and, Lord, uh, that all the tears and, Lord, all the good worry and fear that they've had, Lord, for their children, I pray and I thank you that they're going to see the reward of it, that none of these mothers have ever toiled in vain, that they're raising or have raised, Lord, children that know you and will know you. And I just thank you, Lord. We bless them. And thank you, Lord, for this day. In Jesus' name, amen.